0: October 31st, 2021, 12. Participate with the Holy Spirit. There are only two more weeks that we will be known as Watermark Wesleyan. I feel like a kid in a candy store. I'm so excited to share our new name with you. You know, I've heard that some of you have thought we've kept this almost too tight where we haven't let anything leak out. Well, just so you know, I didn't even tell my wife Holly the name she guessed it. I asked, how in the world did you know that? Have I been talking in my sleep? How did that come about? She said, no. I just knew. I just knew that's what it was. That was a huge confirmation to me that the name that we have been working with and that the name that we feel the Lord had given us was exactly who we needed to be. It was the best confirmation I could have hoped for at that point. So we're in the third week of our series, we are calling 12, Our Future Together, where we are going to give you 12 words that define our future together as a church. When you're talking to a friend or a family member or a coworker and they ask, what is your church all about? You will be able to rattle off these 12 words that define who we are. The first seven words come from our mission statement, the next three from our vision statement, and the last two words, are the ones we've all been waiting for for a long time. The last two words, the last week of the series, will reveal our new church name. I can't wait to share that with you. Recently, I've come to appreciate the icon of the Holy Trinity painted in 1425 by Andrei Rublev, a Russian monk. At first blush, it appears as three angels just simply sharing a meal together. You might think they are fairly unremarkable in their appearance and it really doesn't say a whole lot. But then after further inspection, when you really look in, you truly appreciate the message Rublev wanted to convey. When you start to look more closely, you would notice that their faces are identical. And the reason for that is they represent the three members of the Trinity. As you continue to to gaze on the painting, you would recognize Jesus as the one in the middle. As he points with two fingers to the lamb that's in the chalice, signifying the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As you look closely, you would notice the figure on the left pointing with two fingers to the Son. This is the Father giving his blessing, saying, my Son, I am with you no matter what you do. I am with you. The figure on the right is the Holy Spirit, and he's pointing to a rectangle opening on the front of the table, signifying the world. The Son comes and offers himself for the world, and through the Holy Spirit, the world is brought to the Son and the Father. As you take this in, you begin to understand how Rublev displayed the nature and the beauty, the absolute beauty of the Trinity. Each of the three members has a clearly defined role, and we begin to understand the greater picture of how the three function together. By the time we are done today, you will have our entire mission statement, which will define our reason for existence at the most meaningful level. These seven words will paint a picture, like Rublev, of who we are as a church and what we hope to accomplish in the world. Our mission statement will answer questions like, who are we and what? what is our purpose? Why do we exist? What do we do? And who do we serve? The first four brushstrokes we've already talked about. The first four words that we really want to focus on in our mission statement are pursue the Father and proclaim Jesus. The first week we emphasize that the only way to pursue the Father is to know the Son, to have a relationship with Jesus. Last week, we shared the importance of proclaiming Jesus, of sharing our faith with the world, with those who don't know who he is. We presented the BLESS strategy because we understand that sharing your faith can be an anxiety-ridden process. So with this, we said, if you begin with prayer, ask God to show you who you should share your faith with. And then once he impresses that person on your heart or you know who that is, listen to them. Just build a relationship and listen to their their wants, their desires, their hurts, their hopes, their dreams. And then in Western New York, we love what's coming next. We would say to eat with the person, to have coffee or, or go out to a meal and have lunch or dinner, but spend time truly getting to know who they are. And then as you listen and as you eat with them and spend time, serve them. You will hear what means most to them. You will hear what makes them tick and serve them in the middle of their life. And then when the time is appropriate, the last S is share your story. Tell them the difference Jesus has made in your life. If you missed either of these first two weeks, I would encourage you to go back and watch them. It's actually really important that you do because each week of the series builds on the previous weeks. Today, we turn our attention to the Holy Spirit. Just like Rublev emphasized the importance of the Holy Spirit in his painting, we are going to emphasize the Holy Spirit's importance in our church. In scripture, there are as many as 126 different labels for the Holy Spirit. Here are a few that we will see today. Often the Holy Spirit is referred to as the advocate, the one who pleads a cause to another, and the Holy Spirit pleads our cause to the Father. We will see that sometimes the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus and how the two are one in the same. And then we will see how the Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of truth. In a world that feels so void of truth, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He will tell us what is to come and he just gives us the sense of knowing what is right. The Holy Spirit has a much larger role in our world than any of us can know. And my prayer for you this morning is that you will leave with a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit's role in your life and in the life of our church. Today, today, we will explore the incredible gift the Father has given us in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning and this chance to learn together. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit, as we learn about how the Spirit works in our lives, how he works in and through us, I pray that you would open our eyes, ears, and hearts to what you might have for us today. And that all of us would leave here changed because of what you did in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's sort of awkward standing in there in the dark, up here in the dark. Anyway, Cable didn't mention this when he was up here, but I, I think we need to celebrate as a family when big things happen. And Cable and Allison are new parents, and this is his first Sunday back. <clears throat> so don't ask him how sleep's going or anything like that. It's as you can assume, right? That's sort of the way it is. But it's so exciting to see new life and birth, on even on our staff. So um, we're so happy to celebrate with you guys at this time. And, and our, Arthur is the cutest little guy. Do you call him Artie or Arthur? Is somewhere in the middle? Give us some guidance. Arthur. Arthur. You heard it. There it goes. So we're in week three of this series where we're focusing on who we are as a church and where we are going in the future. You know, I've been so excited for this series because for a while it feels like we've been sort of going like a ship without a rudder being tossed around a bit. But now, when we establish our mission and vision, when we talk about our name, and I wish I could tell you today, I actually had some people offer to pay me for it after the first service. So there's a bid going on. So if you're, (laughs) well, everything's for sale, I suppose, except that Um, that's not getting out. But through this series, we're going to define who we are as a church. And in week one, it was an incredible time where we discussed that we as a church are going to pursue the Father. In our lives as individuals, as we gather corporately, we're going to be about pursuing God, pursuing the Father. And then after we're pursuing him and he's alive in our hearts, and our lives, then we're going to proclaim Jesus to the world. I don't know about you, but I have people in my life who desperately need to know what I know about Jesus. And we're going to continue to talk about how God has placed us in their lives to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to tell them about salvation, that the keys to life and what really matters. And today, like I said just a moment ago, we focus on the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit was present in creation. In Genesis 1-1, after the waters were formed, it says the Spirit was hovering over the waters. So from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit has been present. And throughout the Old Testament, through particular people, at particular times, and particular tasks, the Holy Spirit was present to them. As God needed people to act, he would empower them with the Holy Spirit. But then something incredible happened at Pentecost. As the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples like tongues of fire falling from the sky, I wish I could have seen what that was like, and gave them the ability to speak in other tongues that were not common to them in this incredible moment. But what happened at Pentecost is the Holy Spirit became available to everybody, to everyone. In all places, everybody who called on the name of Jesus and followed him with his whole heart, soul, mind, and strength had the Holy Spirit available. And that's you and that's me. In the world today, we have the ability to to walk through life with the Holy Spirit. And many Christians are actually very unaware of that. Many churches like ours typically don't speak about the Holy Spirit, but when we do, we understand that there's this unbelievable spiritual dimension to our faith that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live differently in this world. I don't know about you, but as I live in this world, I don't want to live like everybody else. Not when I have the Holy Spirit, and we'll see in just a moment, this is a spoiler, not when we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We should be different. We should walk different. We should talk to other people more kindly and be more engaged in our world in a helpful manner. With the Holy Spirit alive and well in you, in me, we should be the most sought after people in the world. Because the living God is alive in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live differently than other people in the world. And when we understand that, it changes just about everything about our lives. And don't feel bad. The disciples didn't understand this at first. They didn't get the power that the Holy Spirit would would be in their lives. And they didn't really understand until Jesus sat them down and told them exactly what to expect. And today we're going to look at some of those passages where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples, where he tells them what's coming, where he tells them what they're going to be able to do because the Holy Spirit has come to our world. So if you have your Bible, you can open to John 14. If you have your Bible app, you can scroll through and get to that right now, or it'll be on the screens behind me. But John 14, starting in verse 15, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you like orphans. I will come to you. In this verse, Jesus makes three promises that I think are very important for us today. The first, he tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit will be with them, catch this, forever. He will never leave. If Jesus says it, we can believe it to be true. The Holy Spirit's presence in our world will be there, as he said, forever. You know, now Jesus couldn't be here forever. And obviously when he was, he ascended into heaven and and he wasn't here forever. But the Holy Spirit is. Everywhere we look, from generation to generation, from century to century, the Holy Spirit will never leave. He'll be here forever. The second Thing we get from that verse is he will be with us the ESV says he dwells with you he'll be all around everywhere we look impacting the world everywhere you look in nature in people every situation whether you see him or not the Holy Spirit is present as I think about that and ponder that sometimes I want to say where are you Where were you in the middle of COVID? Where were you in all this? Why does this make sense? Where are you in our world? But he is there whether we see him or not. And he always will be. We just have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. We have to have hearts that are ready to accept what he's doing. We have to be ready to understand that he is alive and well in our world. And he is everywhere. And the third promise is better than the first two. And this one, when I first learned it years ago, I I had a pause for a moment because I said, really, is that true? Can that really be the case? Because the third promise is he will be in you. That's right. Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you. Just play this out for a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He knows every thought that goes on between your ears. He knows every word that comes out of your lips. He knows every action, every thought, everywhere you go, everything you do. He is well aware because He is in you. That can be frightening, or it can be the most beautiful truth that you'll ever understand because you're not alone. And sometimes in this world, we feel utterly alone, like nothing makes sense. And everywhere we go, we just see nonsense and destruction. And it's just painful to look at. But when you understand that the Holy Spirit lives in you, his residence is in your heart, in your very being, that should change the way you look at the world. The way you interact with people, the way you... um, comment on things on social media. It should change everything. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? Don't let this truth slip by. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. God is is in you. I I don't know about you. I can't see the lights are in my eyes. I can't see if you're shocked or you expected that to be true. But it is an incredible truth that the Holy Spirit lives in you, in me. And with that being true, you may need a moment. You may need to process that either right now or later this afternoon. You may need to process what it means that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. I know when I started grabbing a hold of this and understanding it to be true, it did change the way I thought because I knew that every thought, he was present for it. Every, every whether it be a good thing I thought or maybe sometimes a negative, he is in the middle of that it changed my behavior for the better because I wanted to represent, I wanted to please the Holy Spirit who was residing inside of me. So what good does it do that the Holy Spirit is in you? How does that help you? Well, let's take a look at Acts 16, verses 6 through 10, because this gives us a picture of now that we understand that the Holy Spirit lives in us, how we can act in the world and how he might guide us. So Acts um, 16, verses 6 through 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Having been, listen to this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if Paul had an impression in his mind in the still small voice that he heard in his ear. I don't know if there was opposition or people stood in front of him. But somehow the Holy Spirit prevented them, stopped them in their tracks from going to Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. Listen to this, but the Spirit would not allow them to the second time. The second time the Holy Spirit stopped them from doing what they thought they should be doing. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul had seen the vision. We got up ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit changes our plans. Sometimes he works in, our, ways in such, our lives in such a way that what we think we ought to be doing or he takes our plans and what we want to do and he says, you know what? For, not for today, you're going to take a hard right and you're going to end up over here. You think that's the right idea? You think that's, that makes some sense? But no, I have something, listen to this, greater for you. Something God ordained that he wants us to attend to, to take care of, to speak into. I love that in verse seven, the Holy Spirit is referred to, it, referred to as the spirit of Jesus. Jesus is still guiding. He's still at work. He's taking, his, he's taking Paul and showing him a better way to go. The Spirit received from the Father, poured out at Pentecost, was now directing their trek, their journey, where they were to go. And they were doing the work of ministry. They were going to share about Jesus to places they'd been before. They were going to do what they thought they knew to be right, to take the Great Commission seriously and to tell all the world about Jesus. But in the middle of their best plans, They were stopped because God had a better idea. New horizons, new places to go, ways to think, things to do. They were stopped twice, had a vision, and then they made a hard right. And I love this line, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. It says at once, we saw the vision and we didn't question it. We just went at once. How do you do when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit changes your direction do you go at once or maybe earlier in the journey where they had to be stopped twice and if they had kept trying i'm sure there would have been a third and a fourth time they would have been stopped do you stop easily or does it take some repeated effort by god to get your attention you know in in their case they were doing good they were trying to share the gospel but what about in your life when you're not up to good And you know you're heading in a direction you know better. You shouldn't be going or doing the things you're thinking about doing. What do you do in that moment? When you know, and I'm assuming by the presence of the Holy Spirit, you should do something different. Do you listen or do you keep heading down a sinful path? The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit guides you. And when your heart is sensitive and your spirit is sensitive to his leading and his direction, you hear his guiding, you hear where he wants you to go, you head in a different direction. And like we, if you read this entire passage, they head over to to Macedonia and they have an incredible ministry for the first time in Europe and they share the gospel in ways they never have before. When you listen to the still, small voice, you do things you never thought possible but how do you know? How do you discern the voice? How do you discern the spirits changing your direction and taking you from here to there when it's not your intention? Well, I think sometimes you just know. Sometimes you've been fighting it for years. You, you know where God wants you to go, but you really don't want to go there because you think it'll be harder and more challenging, and it very well could be. But at the end of that hard work and that challenge, you'll experience God in a brand new and powerful and exciting way. Sometimes you just know. Sometimes it's through reading scripture. As you pour over the pages of scripture and you read something and it just speaks to your heart in in a way that you never thought it could. And as you read it and understand it, you say, God, is this what you want me to do? As the scripture comes alive to you, as you pursue the Father, I bet that'll happen more often than not. Where you get your instructions actually from the very word of God. Or maybe it's a friend. I've had friends help change my direction before because I was so bullheaded and committed to something that I thought was right. They spoke truth into my life and taught, brought me in a different direction that was much better. How do we know when the Holy Spirit speaks to us? You just know it will be unmistakable. The challenge is if you will listen and do what he says. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit guides you. But there's one more step I want to talk about. And this one, the others have been good, but this one one gets me really excited. Turn back to John 16 for a moment. John 16, verses seven and eight. Again, Jesus talking to his disciples. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Jesus is telling his disciples something that they never thought it would, they would hear. It's better for you that I go and leave this world. It's better for you if I no longer walk with you and eat with you and spend time with you day in and day out. Because if I go, you will have another counselor, another advocate that will come to you and will be better for you than even I am. What do you think they thought as they heard that? I think they thought Jesus has had a little too much communion wine or something. I don't know what they thought. But something in their minds, they were like, this just doesn't make sense. But the reality is that Jesus leaving was for their benefit, was for our benefit. But why? Well, have you ever, parents, remember when your kids were toddlers? Remember that? Everywhere you went, everywhere they went, they'd look back over their shoulder for approval, making sure that mom or dad was giving their stamp of approval when they were going and doing just about anything. And sometimes as parents, if they were heading in the wrong direction, if they were heading towards a cliff, what would you do? you would probably go grab them. And I think the disciples got used to that type of relationship with Jesus where wherever they went and whatever they did, they knew he was behind them, supporting them and giving them the the courage to take the steps they needed to take. But if he wasn't there anymore and the Holy Spirit was present, they would have to trust the spirits that, that is within them. They wouldn't have this physical representation of Jesus to trust and rely on. They would have to trust the very spirit that was alive in them. That could be with all of them at the same time. It was a benefit that Jesus would leave because all of a sudden they would have to rely on the spirit that's present in their their lives. Doing the things that the spirit led them to do. But the other reason is more important. The Holy Spirit will not come, would not come unless Jesus went away. They could not be together in the same place. And let me explain why. They could be for moments here or there, but hear me out. The cross is critical in this situation. Before Jesus died on the cross, he could not send the Holy Spirit. Afterward, he would. It is God's desire to bring about full salvation for all people. That salvation is only based on Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. When that was accomplished, when Jesus has done his work, the reason he came, then the Holy Spirit could come. Not before. Jesus had to lay down his life for you and me, be raised again in order for the Spirit to come. They could not have been there at the same time. When that was accomplished on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. John 14, 12. I very truly tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. This passage alone, this is the reason for coming today. Very truly, so this is very important. What Jesus is about to say is of utmost importance. Whoever believes in me, he says, whoever has a deep commitment to follow me in my ways and to live the way I instructed, whoever loves me in that way, it's a huge promise for that person that when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, you will do even greater things than Jesus did. Wrap your head around that for a moment that if you follow Jesus if you love Jesus you will be a world changer you will lead people to the lord because of what he has done in your life because of the holy spirit's presence in you you will love your family well you will be somebody who serves as on a school board in our community whom people come to because the lord has placed you in such a place you will coach you will be involved in our community as the spirit enables you you will serve here at church We have so many opportunities to serve here at church. But as the Holy Spirit enables you, you will do even greater things than Jesus did. Think about that. We read about Jesus healing and setting people free. We read about Jesus um, casting out demons and doing all the things that do. And then he says, you will do even greater things than I did. When I hear that, It does two things in me. It scares me to death. But it excites me more than you can ever know. It excites me because as I live out my faith, God will work through me to change our world. As you live out your faith, God will work through you to change your world. At work, at school, in your family, in your neighborhood, At the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and spoke, thousands of people responded to the gospel message. That's more people that responded and accepted Jesus than his whole time during Jesus' earthly ministry. That's greater things. Jesus was able to be present in that small area of the Near East in Israel. He was present in this small geographic area, but as the Holy Spirit came and lived in the hearts of people who loved Jesus, all of a sudden that influence spread eventually throughout the world as we do even greater things. Not independent of Jesus, but because the Spirit lives in us, we are his agents, his ambassadors, his representatives in each and every situation we find ourselves in. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will do greater things. Does that excite you? When I hear that and understand that, something in me just wells up. As a church, we will do greater things. As an individual, you will do greater things. It's a promise to hold on to. It's helpful. This is the last line of our mission statement. It is helpful to know as we participate with the Holy Spirit, we will do greater things. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit guides you. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will do greater things things it's the holy spirit who arranged a chance meeting between philip and an ethiopian official prepared ananias to accept paul when he came as a as a persecutor the holy spirit prepared him to receive him and persuaded peter to visit the house of cornelius a gentile military official the holy spirit made those things possible It's the Holy Spirit who guides Paul to unexpected places on his missionary journey. So eventually led him to Jerusalem when everybody told him not to go. He didn't listen to people. He listened to the Holy Spirit. He participated with the Holy Spirit. Through Acts, the Holy Spirit initiates, empowers, directs, and sustains the church's mission. That is why we feel it's so important as a church to participate with the Holy Spirit. To listen, to have eyes that are ready to see what he's doing in the world and to respond. The Holy Spirit lives in you and guides you, and he will empower you to do greater things. The Holy Spirit lives in you and guides you, and he will empower you to do greater things. Don't ever forget that. Our mission as a church is to pursue the Father. Proclaim Jesus and to participate with the Holy Spirit. Simply put, if you attend here regularly, we're going to encourage you all the time to, pr- to pursue the Father, to look at God, to wrap your arms around Him, to try to get as close to Him as possible, to spend time in the Word and prayer and worship in your community group, to grow, to pursue God with all of your heart. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. And then after we pursue the Father, we want to be a church who's known for proclaiming Jesus. There are lost and hurting people in our world who need to know what you know about Jesus, who need to know there's a Savior, a risen Savior, who wants them to trust in him, who wants them to give their hearts so that he can in turn wash them as clean as snow. So that maybe for the first time in their lives, they understand that there's a greater purpose to this thing we called life than they ever imagined. As you proclaim Jesus to them, as we proclaim Jesus as a church, their lives are changed. And then we are gonna participate with the Holy Spirit. We're gonna look out in our world and see where God is moving. We're gonna look for the ways in which he is, he is at work and whether it be in our communities, in our church, we're gonna find where he's at work and we're gonna pay attention and then we're gonna join in. It's really easy when you have your calendar and you're scrolling through and my calendar's the worst. When I look at tomorrow, I'm like, meetings all day, this is awful. But in the middle of that, be open to seeing where God's working in our world. Be able to see the person who needs your touch, who needs your, your embrace to come around them and, and say, it's gonna be okay. To look for the person who, who is maybe just so desperate. And you say, that's okay. I'll, I'll put my calendar off to the side. I'll blow that off because this is more important. But that we look for those places in, in which the, that God wants us to move and we join in. That's the kind of church I want to be. It's not good enough to come here on a Sunday to sing a few songs, hear some of us speak for a few minutes, and then go home and live your life. I hope these times of worship are meaningful to you, but there's so much more available to us as followers of Jesus. There's a whole world out there for us to impact. And as we come here and we learn and we grow together, this is important to have fellowship, to shake hands, to hug one another, to be together as a body is important so that when we walk out of those doors, we're ready to serve and participate with what the Holy Spirit would have us do in the world so that we're ready to make a difference in the lives of those who are drowning in the tide of culture that is swallowing so many people right now so that we can be a light in the world and participate with what God wants us to do wherever we go. So going to work is no longer going there just to get a paycheck. But now as you go to work or go to school, you look for the opportunities that exist to share your faith, to participate in what God is already doing. You don't look at your neighbors and you're frustrated because they haven't raked their leaves yet. I haven't raked mine yet. Maybe I'm frustrated with myself. You look at them as opportunities to serve them in the middle of this fall and to show them the love of Jesus. When you understand that the Holy Spirit lives in you, it should change everything about your life. What got you frustrated yesterday should not get you frustrated tomorrow because you look at it differently. As a church, We're going to pursue the Father, proclaim Jesus, and participate with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're in for. If you offer me enough money, I'll tell you the name by the end of the day. No, I won't. But let's pray. God, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to talk about the Holy Spirit's work in the world and how he molds, how he's moving, how he's constantly going before us and asking us to to come and be a part of what he's doing. Father, give us eyes to see and hearts who are ready to jump in. Even if it's inconvenient, even if it doesn't make sense for what tomorrow has, but God tells us, you tell us to go in a direction, help us to hear and see and follow. Lord, help us to be a church that when we gather here on Sunday mornings and we worship like we have today, we understand we're worshiping the God we've pursued all week long. We're worshiping the God we've proclaimed to our world that we've participated with. And when we get together, it's a celebration, celebrating your work in the world. God, impress that in our hearts. This is our family. Help us to treat it as such. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we're, you know, talking about our direction and vision for our future. And Father, I I pray that you would work through this place. That you truly would help us to participate with you, with your work in the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.